This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everybody. If it's your first time at ABC Church, we give you a really, really warm welcome. It's great to see you. And if you're joining us online, thanks for taking the time to listen to us. Are you fed up of it all yet? Are you? Are you all fed up of Brexit? Are you fed up of Brimain? Are you you fed up of it all yet? Are you? I'm getting fed up of it all at the moment. That's all we hear on our news. There's flooding in India right now, and we're on about Brexit. There's catastrophes taking place all over the world, world, and we're talking about Boris making comparisons with people in letterboxes. The world has gone crazy, or is it me? Do you think the world's gone crazy? The world is going mad where all of our priorities seem to be all messed up. And I'm going, you know, when you're skiing and you're going down a ski slope, there's a term that's used for somebody that goes off the path. What's the term? Off-piste. So this morning we're going to go off-piste. Are you okay with me while we go off-piste? In fact, I want to speak on the uh, verse that Andrea just quoted Right there, right now, from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, we're pausing on the series Unoffendable in order for me to speak this message to you, which is simply, you are entering a trade-free zone. You have entered, or you are entering, the choice is ours today, you are entering a trade-free zone. Zone, Because I don't know about you, but I'm fed up of Brexit. I'm fed up about deal or no deal should we exit. So I'm not going to talk to you about Brexit this morning, but I am going to talk about this principle of trade zones. You see, we live in a world and we live in an economy that's all about trade. In fact, we call it a consumer society. That we consume things. We consume food. How many of you are looking forward to lunch today? Okay, it's just me that's looking forward to lunch. Yeah. How many of you women are looking? You've got to go shopping this week. And you will be helping the economy by consuming and uh, buying products and services. How many of you are looking forward to do some shopping today, ladies? Tomorrow, this week. Yeah. We all consume stuff. And the challenge with the Christian life is we use our consumer mentality and we come to Christ and we come to faith and we treat it like a trade zone. We come to faith in Jesus and we we barter with him. We trade with him when all the time it was nothing to do with Brexit or Brimain. You're entering a trade-free zone. Let me explain. Let's turn to the scripture and let's look at this verse from Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. And we're going to ask that question that the prophet asks at the beginning. And that's what we want our country to do at the moment is we want them to be reasonable. Come now and let us reason together. And that's what I want us to do now is come and let's settle the matter today. Can we do that? Let's settle the matter today in our faith 
in the way we approach God. And let's today mark this piece of turf in our lives or mark this place in Ammonford or in here as we are in. We call this God's house, don't we? There's nothing grand about this building. There's nothing amazing. You know, the walls aren't holy. There's nothing in the wine, nothing in the bread. I know that the water in Wales is the best water you can drink, but there's no holy water in this house. It's just all regular stuff. But the things that we bring to God and give to God, we declare quite often that those things become holy, don't we? Well, the only thing that can be holy is you and me. Nothing else material can't become holy anymore in the new covenant. And so we come to Christ, and in this building, though, I'm asking, can we in some way mark this turf out today? That this will, from this time forward, be a trade-free zone. That we will reason together today. And that we will settle the matter in our own hearts today as we reason together and say, you are now in a trade-free zone. Is that good? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, let's pray. Come on, close your eyes. Let's ask God to do a work in our hearts this morning, and let's pray. Father, I pray today that as you reveal yourself to us today, to some people in this house and to some people listening online, this will be revelation. It will be new to them. And for others of us here that need reminding, that so often come to you, with our trading, that come to you as the consumer God. Lord, will you speak into our lives today and help us to realize that you are greater than it all, that the work is finished, there's no more to be done. The revelation of Christ is complete in our hearts and in our lives if you would just accept it. Help us to realize that this is a trade-free zone as we come and step into the Christian faith and accept you as Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. As we open this text, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come now. Come now, says Isaiah. And let's reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be like wool. Though they be like crimson, they shall be white as snow. Hey folks, I'm a farmer's son. Some of you don't know that maybe about me, but I'm a farmer's son and there's nothing like white wool. White wool, not cream wool, white wool. And the best place you can find white wool is after a sheep has been sheared. Any of you been to a farm or have any of you seen a sheep being shorn? And after you have shorn a sheep, shorn a sheep, <laughs> after you have shorn a sheep, that wool that is nearest the skin of the sheep is the whitest wool you can ever see. And as a child, when we were growing up, you would, you know, my father and the farmers would be shearing the sheep. I'm going to mess up sometime today with so many. Shearing the sheep. And sometimes the clippers or sometimes the cutters would maybe just catch a piece of the skin and they'd be bleeding. 
And my father would always, you know, my father was a man whose faith was uh, really strong and uh, meant a lot to him. He would quite often share with me that scripture, you know, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You know, even when you snagged a sheep, they would never bleat, they would never cry out. For some reason, when a sheep is shorn, I don't know if it's nice and they like it or whatever, but you'll never hear a sheep bleat. You'll never hear it when they're shorn. Bizarre. You can wean them from their lambs and they'll go meh, 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 all, all the way around the countryside. But as you shear them, they'll not make a sound. And my father used to teach me again of this principle of the white wool that was nearest the sheep as the blood would be there. We say, wow, look at that. Though our sins were like crimson, they shall be white as wool. What a lovely picture, isn't it? What a beautiful picture of Christ through his blood cleaning us and washing us. Though our sins, though our sins were like crimson, they shall be as wool. So what are our sins? Let's be practical here. What are our sins? It's the record of wrong that's against us. It's the things that we have done that we know we need forgiveness for. You know, people of faith or, or people, are, you know, talk a lot about this thing. They could talk about uh, forgiveness and they talk about uh, you know, confession and they talk about lots of these different things in loads of different faiths that we'll talk about in a minute. But I'll have to explain to you in a moment why Christianity is fundamentally different from any other religion. In, relating to, in relation to how our sins are washed away. And our sins, they are a record of wrong. The Bible uh, teaches us that sin is going against God's will and path for our lives. So there are sins of disobedience that we have in our lives where we decide to lie and steal and, and do all of these things. A lot, a lot of them written in the, well, all of them written in the Ten Commandments, those things that we do. But as well as being a, a sin of commission, the New Testament teaches us as well that there's a sin of omission. That there are things that sometimes God puts on our heart that we should do. And, uh, you know, the word, you know, the apostles teaches us to him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it becomes sin. So if God is, has given you a, a commission um, to go and do something and we don't do it, that for us is sin as well when we disobey God. And the promise of Isaiah that's lived out through Christ is through this settling of the matter, the Bible teaches us, and it, the revelation of this verse comes uh, fully, full circle in the scriptures when Jesus comes and rises again, Painting this picture that though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they should be like wool. I don't know, any of you seen the snow? We're coming into winter in the next couple of months and the snow falls. Have you seen the snow falls? Chris Aldo at our church, we had the privilege of taking Chris Aldo last year. And uh, we went up to the mountain. He's from the Philippines originally. And can you believe it? We were with him the first time he ever saw snow. How cool is that? We take it for granted, don't we? But have you noticed when the snow falls and when it starts to stick, 
That's the only question that every child asks, isn't it? Is it sticking yet? Is it, so, is it sticking, Dad? Is it sticking? Well, I don't know. Have a look outside. And sometimes, you know, it would fall slowly in the night, wouldn't it? And you'd get up in the morning and, you know, you'd have two reactions to it. If you've got a busy day and you've got to go to a meeting and you want to get things done, particularly if you're farmers, you'd look around and you'd open the windows and you'd see the snow in and you'd go, oh, no. And then there's the other action from everybody else. When they see the snow, they go, hey, kids think snowball fights. Let's build a snowman. You know, it's the only time the kids are up early on holiday, isn't it? Can we build a snowman, Dad? Yes, yes, let's have breakfast first and then we'll build a snowman. Yeah. But there's something about snow, isn't there? And this same text, my father would teach me. As we'd be walking out in the early morning, going to get the cattle, and we'd walk through the crunch of the snow. If, you li- if you're a townie, if you live in the city, and if you live amongst all the concrete that's out there, you've probably never heard the crunch of snow. But the crunch of snow happens if you walk on snow in the country. I challenge you to do it. When you're driving around somewhere, pull across one day if you're driving in the snow, and put your shoes on and go walk down an untouched lane that you've got pure snow, and as you walk across it, you'll hear your feet go as the snow is compressed underneath your feet, and as you step on this untouched, pure, white snow. And as I be walking with Dad in the morning, freezing cold, going to get the cattle, my father would remind me again, would remind me that Can I say this? In the summer of life, when we're shearing, and in the winter of life, when it's snowing, that we are reminded by the scriptures, God is a God of all seasons, we change, he changes not, that even in winter, our sins could be like snow, washed away, and our hearts are clean because of what he's done. Isn't it a lovely picture? Is it a lovely picture? Does it make you feel all soft inside? As you consider lamb's wool and snow. And you know, that's what God wants for each and every one of us is in our lives, is to understand the power of forgiven sin. And no matter where we are in life, if we don't know him over here, and we're people that this story, you might be listening online, and this, this story of Christianity and that our sins can be forgiven is something that's completely new to you. Or whether we are here in the middle ground that we're a bit skeptical. Well, I don't know. I, I, maybe there is a God. I believe there's something out there. I believe there's intelligent design or I believe there's something out there. All roads lead to God, whether we're of Muslim faith, whether we are Catholic, whether we are whatever we are. You know, it all leads to the same God. You might call him Allah. Um, you might call him God. Others call him Jesus. Others call him whatever. Wherever we are on a journey of faith, you know, you could be in that middle ground of Believing there's a God, but not being able to define what he really is for yourself. We need to come to conclusions and settle that matter and make that decision today. Or you could be in a a fourth group of, a, a third group of people here that you've come to faith in Christ 
and that you made a decision one day and you said, God, I'm going to follow after you. I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. And I believe that if I put my trust in him, as Jesus taught himself when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Christian faith is exclusive in its teaching. It's unpalatable to a lot of people. It's unpalatable to most people. But if you're here back on step two and you're these people that think there are many roads to um, God or whatever, listen, I respect that opinion that you have. I understand it. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And so because the Bible teaches step three faith, Step three, faith, that we put our faith in God. We have to come to God through Jesus. And I'll explain to you in a minute why that's a good option. Because this is the trade-free zone. And I'll explain to you why. And then maybe we are people that navigate to step four. Where you find sometimes that people that come to faith in Christ go through this journey. They go through this journey of over here, they, they, they really don't know what they believe. And then they come through to here and they think, well, maybe there's a God, I'm going to begin to reason. And that God might be intelligent design if you're kind of on that you know, evolutionary kind of journey that you believe in the big bang and all, all of that that came with it. And you say, yes, I acknowledge that there might be a force greater than myself out there that said, ding, and caused the big bang. Because that's the fundamental problem I have with, um, you know, could it be God said, let there be light, and there was light? Is that the Big Bang? Because he doesn't create the sun and moon and stars until later on. Is Moses, who writes the scriptures for us in Genesis, given a bit of an understanding of that? I don't know, because I wasn't there at the beginning, whether it's 4,500 years ago, 10,000 years ago, or 10 billion years ago. I wasn't there at the beginning, but I'm here now, and I've got a reason and settle the matter in my own heart now. And then we come to this place here where we become Christians. And then so often we come over here on this trajectory of sometimes becoming religious. That we realize that because we are Christian, and there's loads of these people to be found particularly in areas like Texas, and in the south of America, these are the people that castigate everybody else for their sins, even though they had a plenty of record of wrongs for themselves. They chastise people for the way they are living their lives. There's none holy. No, not one. Except him. Agreed? Can anybody hear who is or can I talk to you about, again, unoffendable for a minute if I can step back. Someone comes to Jesus and they bring a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. What hypocrites they were in the first place, wasn't it? If you go back to the text in Leviticus, it says that if someone is caught in adultery, both the man and the woman should come and be stoned. That's what it says. But these Pharisees that had got all religious up here, they decide to just bring the woman. That's more palatable. We'll just bring her. We won't even live out our own law correctly. And they bring them, the woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act, say the Pharisees and the teacher of the law. And they say to Jesus, what shall we do? And this is a lose-lose situation for Jesus here, if you study the scriptures. And the reason for that is stoning at that particular time, or uh, um, uh, punishment by death, 
it was illegal to be conducted because uh, in that time it was under Roman rule was um, Israel and it was only the Romans that were allowed to take someone's life and that was by a crucifixion as we know. So it was a lose-lose situation for Jesus when they bring the woman caught in adultery and they throw her in front of Jesus and says you know the Moses says that we should stone her and he knew they knew they were trying to catch Jesus out with this lose-lose situation. And they're trying to think, they think to themselves, well, if he says, stone her, we're going to break Roman law. If he gives a compassion, he breaks the law of Moses. What are we going to do? And Jesus doesn't even answer their question. He just asks this, and it's the question to be asked of all religious people, that before we condemn others for their sin, we need to look at ourselves. In fact, in the words of the great theologian Michael Jackson, if you want to make a difference, take a look at a man in the mirror and then make a change. We've got to look at our own hearts, haven't we? And so we can become religious. But all of these worlds that we can live in, we can live in religion, we can live in many routes to God, we can find ourselves in the trade-free zone. Are you ready? I'll finish with this just by explaining to you what the trade-free zone is. As we settle the matter once and for all today, no more arguing about it. We just accept it. We mark a line around our lives. We mark a line around the church. And we say this is a trade-free zone that we don't trade with God. Let me explain. You see, the Bible teaches us that even our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the Bible teaches us. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. I just want to, so you can understand the power behind this text. Um, filthy rags, in our modern world, there are uh, lots of, you can um, see adverts on TV that help women deal with matters of hygiene that happen monthly. Know where I'm going? Yeah. And that we have all kinds of modern gadgets and gizmos and things that can, you know, that woman wearing always ultra, she dances around as if there's nothing wrong. Have you noticed that? <laughs> well, there was no such products like that around in Jesus' days. Yeah. Filthy rags is describing that. It's describing our righteousness. The good things that we have done is like that kind of filthy rag. It's powerful, isn't it? Not a powerful message for us to understand. Even the good things that we have done is like filthy rags. So if we have these record of wrongs against us in our lives, how can we be washed? How can we reason together and how can we become white as snow and white as wool? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The word of God also tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Trade-free zone. And what I mean by trade-free zone 
is we've done nothing to deserve it. I mean, if we had to pay for our salvation, pay for our free freedom, if we had to get our wallets out today, how much is that going to cost us? Should we do it? Let's get our wallets out and say, look, I, I want to be forgiven of my sin. And for us, the whole process of grace for us as people who have wronged God, fundamentally, we have a problem with that. We have a problem with people just forgiving us. You've seen it. You've probably seen it on several films. You've probably seen it in several TV programs where the guy walks up to the girl and he says, come on in, give it to me. Whatever, you know, maybe he's been fooling around or maybe he's had an affair with somebody else or whatever's happening. But he goes up to his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. He says, go on in, hit me. And she says, what do you mean hit me? He says, well, get it off your chest. You know, you're, you're angry with me. You're, because we want to make a transaction as human beings. That we want, you know, that we can't accept forgiveness for what it is, for free. Because for some reason we think that we should receive some punishment for our wrongs. And don't we all think that people who wrong us should achieve some punishment for them? Don't we? When they wrong us. Oh, <laughs> she's had her comeuppance. That's what we say, isn't it? Well, you reap what you sow. Yeah, or we say to him, ah, yeah, yeah, well, that's come back to haunt him, hasn't it? We use all of this phraseology, which comes from our own revenge or our own vengeance. And, you know, the reality of it, back to that scripture where we were talking earlier about the woman caught in adultery, the only one who really could throw the stone at her after one by one they all got up and left. After, from the oldest to the youngest, says the scripture, they left. They just dropped their stones and walked away. And what does he say? Where are those that condemn you? And she probably looks around and says, and they've gone. In the reality, he was the righteous, holy lamb of God. He was the only one that could have, if he wanted to, and outdid her and hit a boulder in her head and she's gone. But instead, he says these words, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's a beautiful phrase. And that's what makes this place and your heart and mind, which should be a trade-free zone. Anybody that comes in here, we repeat the words of Jesus. They've been doing this to me. They've done that to me. I've messed up. I've been, I've been on drugs or I, I've stolen money off people or I've done all of this kind of mess. I tell you what, anybody comes in through our church, you're, you come in with all your mess and join all of us with our mess. Isn't it? I messed up. Are you messed up? Yeah. Come on. Please don't think your pastor's holy. I'm far from it. I'm working through my stuff too. I'm working to try and bring my life to the cross of Christ every single day and say, Lord, I'm not going to trade. Lord, I'm going to live a holy life. And I'm, Lord, help me to make choices and decisions that you want me to do because I've decided to follow him. And we all have that challenge. You know, people that just this week, you know, Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Church, some of you have heard that, you know, there's some stuff going on there. And I read it and I'm so saddened when I read it because, you know, what's said of our church so often? You know, it's a phrase I hate. We shoot our own, don't we? When any of our soldiers fall down in the middle of battle, we turn and we shoot them. 
That's what we do as, as a Christian church, don't we? Please, let's not us in this trade-free zone. Somebody comes in wounded. We're going to pick them up, are we? Are we going to pick them up? We're going to pick them up. We're going to put loving arms around them. Say, we don't care what anybody else has said about you. We don't care what other people say. You know, we're going to do that with wisdom. And we're going to do that with discernment. We're not going to be stupid about it, right? Come on, let's be honest. You know, we're going to do that in a, in a rational way. But we're not going to condemn. Because there go I. But for the grace of God. Otherwise, we become like the Pharisees. So what's it like here? The trade-free zone. The trade-free zone is a place that we just rest in God's grace. And it's a wonderful place to live. And I finish with this. You see, fundamentally, Christianity is different to any other belief system on the planet. And the reason I'm saying belief system is because there are many of them. Like, we all believe. Like, how many of you here believe that smoking kills? How have you come to that conclusion? All of you have got these kind of... Well, why? Because you've observed some things and you rely on... But, like, do we really know? The evidence suggests, yes. But, you know, you know the people that would turn around here, well, my granddad, he lived till 106, smoking woodbines every day. Okay, so we can get caught up in what I call belief system. Now, I believe that smoking kills, and the evidence would suggest so, and it's quite, um, you know, well, now we're having this different conversation now, which is about, um, you know, these other kinds of electronic types of smoking, etc., etc. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Everyone has a belief system. So even people that say, well, I, I'm not religious, or I haven't got a faith, they have. They believe that there is no God, or they believe that there is no religion, or they believe that, that in itself is a belief system in itself. Agreed? Yeah. So all belief systems, except Christianity, deal with this issue of forgiveness in a unique way. So if you're here in Big Bang, Darwinism, whatever it is, well, it doesn't really matter what we believe, because it's survival of the fittest, that's how we believe it doesn't really matter if Boris wants to blow somebody's heads off with a shotgun or whatever it is. Unlucky, the strongest of the most adaptable to change was. I don't know, it's crazy, but you go on an evolutionary path and it gets a little bit crazy. It gets Because we shouldn't save whales and we shouldn't worry about plastics and we shouldn't worry about our planet because we are messing up our own planet in the evolutionary process. Do you understand? Am I, is this making sense to you? So, we can go to other faiths and we can say, what is that going to be for us? Do we believe in, you know, Muhammad, uh, do we believe in the teachings of Muhammad and uh, etc.? Or do we believe in the Hindu or Buddhism or all other faiths? All of those other faiths are transactional. You have to do something in order to obtain the prize, be it paradise, be it, you know, whatever those faiths got. They are transactional. And the reason I believe they're transactional is because they are man-made faiths. Because of our need for a transactional God, because of our need to turn to God and we, we cannot understand why he would give us the free gift of Jesus, that we want to be punished for the wrong that we have done. We find it difficult to accept God's free gift of grace. But that's what it is. There is nothing I need to do to obtain salvation. 
I don't have to, you know, do penance. I don't have to do, you know, pray three times a day. And you know, it's good to pray, but it's it's not a religion. It's God's free gift to us. And then we can get religious. The last stage where we say, well, he wasn't in church on Sunday. Where was such and such a person? He went, well, look, he's working shifts. Don't measure his spirituality. We do, I hope we don't measure someone's spirituality by their church attendance, do we? Do we? I know lots of people that are very religious in their church attendance. But sometimes they're the furthest people from God that I've ever met in the way that they judge everybody else for not being in church on Sunday. Have you ever met people that judge others for their giving because they're not generous as them you see because I'm a Christian I give I do oh I tithe I do yeah I tithe all the time yeah you're so passionate about your tithing you brag about it because you've become religious you're proud of your skoda and you sit back and remember you know someone having a conversation with me see you see you know I'm, I'm not materialistic at all I drive a skoda and every time I would speak to them they were on about their skoda all the time yes they were materialistic they were follow and we can take things and pick things and we can talk about church attendance read a bible do you read your bible every day great to read the bible it better change you oh yes i do a reading plan i read my bible every day never allow it to change their lives they just religiously go through reading their bible every day it doesn't actually change them a tough one to do is to pray that's really tough to not have prayer change your life that is really tough. I've never yet met someone who's got a devoted prayer life that God doesn't change them fundamentally if they're living in the real world and not in a monastery, I hasten to add. So we can't be religious. So let's enter this trade-free zone and let's settle the matter once and for all. What does it look like? Well, it just looks like God's free gift of grace. Just accept it. And just come to him, no matter where we are, religious or despondent in the middle, that you've maybe lost your faith and you're thinking, Lord, what is this about? Because I've gone through so many different experiences. You maybe know so many Christians that have done things to you that they shouldn't have. You might have attended churches that they, they there's so many different things going wrong and it's dysfunctional or whatever it is. Look, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. And there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you're new here in church and you're listening online and you want to come to a perfect church with per perfect people, please don't come to here, Because <laughs> this is a place where no perfect people are allowed. This is a place where people will be welcomed no matter the color of their skin. No matter what they've done. No matter what's happened. That we will not condemn the them either because Jesus did not condemn them. In fact, we have reasoned today. We've settled the matter once and for all. That God's free grace, his free gift covers it all. Covers it all. Covers you. Covers me. Cover it all. If we just accept it. Now this is the bit that we've got to close with that is the bit that you've got to get into your head. You want them to pay. You want to pay God. No payment due. There's no payment due. 
I don't get it. I don't understand it. And as I came to the table this morning, once more again as we're breaking bread together, I stand and I think about the concept of God's free grace that Jesus came to die for me and take away my sin. And because of his obedience, I'm heaven bound. I am free. Not even death has a hold on my life. One day they'll put me in a box. One day I'll be off this mortal coil and some people, can I say like Billy Graham, some people will tell you, Phil is gone. I want you to let you know, just like Brigham says, Phil ain't gone. He's in heaven. He's gone to be with Jesus. Don't believe the words they say when they say Phil is gone. Phil is dead. Phil will be resurrected with everyone else when the trump sounds, when the dead in Christ shall rise first and those that remain will be caught up to be with him in the air. Will you accept his free gift? Come on, let's bow as the team come. Can we sing that song, You Are Worthy of It All? Can we do that? If we can. Let's pray. Let's do business with God. one question to ask you and it's this are you still trading there's a song that we used to sing years and years ago it had the word trading in it and it was I'm trading my sorrows remember it I'm trading my sorrows for the joy of the Lord it doesn't cost anything not one not one cent free for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life come on let's settle the matter now before God shall we as we pray I want to pray for two types of people that might be First of all, I want to pray for those that maybe this story is new to you and you want to come to Christ today and you've heard this story for the first time. If that's you, then I want you to signify that you want to step out and start your journey with Jesus today. Just put your hand up and put it back down again so that I know that you want to do that. And I'll have to give you some information before you leave. If that's, if that's you, as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, just put your hand up and put it down again. did that online then please can you just drop us an email go onto the website send us an email we'd love to send you some information too and for other people that are here maybe we've become religious and maybe we've lost focus maybe we started to get religious and condemning others for their behavior towards us and what they're doing Calvary covers it all come back to Jesus let's settle it now and let's say let's reason together though our sins are as scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be white as wool if that's you if that's you then I'm asking you if you, if you acknowledge that in your life put your hand up put your hand up if that's you saying actually I've crossed this line where I've become judgmental 
focus on other things. I see you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you. That's you, that you. Lord, can you just soften my heart with your free gift of Jesus? Okay, let me pray for you. And if that's you online as well, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father God, help us to understand your grace in a new way today. That you cover it all. Lord Jesus, come into our hearts and lives. Lord, break our spirit of religiosity that we can sometimes get to, Lord, when we do this comparison thing. Lord, help us not to compare. Help us not to condemn. Help us to simply walk in the light of the glory of God, Lord. And Lord, help us to see planks in our own eyes more than specks in other people. Lord, help us. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.